the Damaged Goods Podcast. One of my little spots, I got like these three One little... One of little spots? Yeah, I got like, it's like, I don't know how many Swift feet it is, but it's like, you know, a couple hundred bucks a month. I got like uh, internet, heat, light, you know. And you, you do like... Who records there? ST? All the ST cats? Um, this is like my own personal shit. So like if I have them on my stuff, they'll come through. Um, I share it with an engineer. So sometimes he'll like have randoms in here recording and shit. But so um, it's, I it's try not I try not to outsource it too much. I try not to outsource it too much, but yeah, people use it. You do it for like mixtapes and production and shit in there? Yeah, mostly my own shit. And then um I got like a pre-production room. And then I just got a third room to like house all like my merch and Damn. you know make it look right and shit like yeah, that. Yo, you got a lot of a lot of merchandise, man. Merchandising, dude. Trying, man. You know, I've been I've been on that for a minute. Like just having like you know just have it being a DJ and having to have like mixtapes or whatever else, you know. Um, but the apparel shit I've been on probably for like now going on like maybe like six years now something like that yeah because when i emailed you for this it was uh dead eye enterprises it wasn't like dj dead eye dead eye mixtapes dead eye music it was enterprises so if anybody has enterprises in the title that's an enterprising ass motherfucker that means that you could be making manufacturing plastic shit that goes on chinese cell phones documents importing exporting dude it's a yeah big umbrella you're under man yeah, I didn't want to like pigeonhole it by putting whatever records or whatever media yeah. or, you know what I'm saying? I wanted it to be, you know, all encompassing, you know? You're a businessman. That's why. You're a savvy businessman. I keep percolating, you know? Try not to put myself in a box too much, you know? Dude, that non-box inputting ass voice, this this prolific enterprising gentleman on Damaged Goods today is a, uh, he's a DJ. He's a producer. He's an executive producer. That means he makes big decisions. Um, live and direct from Lawrence, Massachusetts. Uh, maybe not at this exact moment, but in general is a- uh, Nah, we are. We're here. Live and direct, brother. At 457 Washington Street, Lawrence, Mass. Nah, I'm fucking around. That's not the street. That's, I'm joking. <laughs> I don't even know the street in, in Lawrence. It's been years. But a DJ Man. Deadeye, dude. Uh, uh, also a member of the infamous here, ST brother. Squad crew. Yes, sir. And he, and he DJs and produces with and for many of your favorite MCs, man. Whole lot of them, man. But I had like, this conversation earlier. It's like, yeah, it's it's like too many, right? The, yeah, and like, you know, your, your 10, 11-year-old self inside of you is like, holy shit, you know? Yeah, because you've gotten to rock with probably, I'd imagine a lot of the cats were people you looked up to when you was 10 and 11, you know? Definitely. Wu Tang, MOP, Boot Camp, you know? Damn, yeah, you. Alco alcoholics, uh, uh, shit. Uh, Gangstar, you know, Shug, yeah. fucking Not Primo, even even Met Guru, smoked a blunt with him. Yeah, man. You you were taller, right? Rest in peace, Guru. You were, you were significantly taller than Guru, right? Yeah, I was way taller than Guru. Like, um, I, 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 I met him in 03. I went to the uh the 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 owner's album release in New York with Crumb and like a couple other heads that he knew, and then somehow some way I end up by myself with Guru on the, like a side street just smoking an L. Like she was crazy. That's L man. That's L. Rest in peace. We had the picture. We took a picture and all that, but that was you know 
disposable okay. cam days and shit, you know? Dude, I, I was just recently going through uh, the Jazzmatazz albums. Um, yes. I, love, I love the Jazzmatazz albums. I think they're a little slept on. And I, I love Gangstar, but the Jazzmatazz albums are fire. Jazzmatazz 2 is crazy. Yeah, he's just slept on as a producer. I mean, as I feel like as an artist, period, but as a producer, for sure, he slept on, you know what I mean? Well, when you're like one half of, of Gangstar and your counterpart is DJ Premier, who would some could argue the best hip-hop producer of all time, any production yeah. you do outside of it, even if it's very different stylistically, it's a big shadow you're walking in. You yeah, know? huge yeah. shadow, huge shadow. It's, it's going to be almost impossible to get under that shadow, you know? Yeah, man. So, like, being... And I have a lot of um, friends and people that are DJs and producers and stuff like mm -hmm. yourself, but specifically the DJing aspect of, of what you do, in lieu of uh, recent events, <laughs> it's been hard yeah. to DJ, right? Dude, like, I work in live music touring, and one tour happening in the world, and even small right. shows. So um, have you been doing, like, more production and shit to kind of scratch your artistic itch lately? Yeah, I've been um I've been trying to finish up my records. I've had these two albums I've been working on for fucking years. Dude, you know what I, mean? I did a goddamn verse for you when I still made music years ago. Yep, and I still I, have it, and it's still it's on the like the fence right now. Like, do I use it for this, this record or put it on one of these other ones? You know what I'm saying? I, I didn't have gray hairs when I recorded that. I'm sure. Yo, and I got Shabam on it, so it's it's you and Shabam, and then I'm working on the third verse still. Um, when I'm like, when I when I finally hit the go button on it, I'm a, I'm gonna wrap it up quick. But it's just you know trying so, to make everything work is tough. So when was the last time you think you like DJed, like whether it was for an MC or a gig or a party or a club or anything? I did re actually recently. I did a I did a friend of mine's daughter's like sweet sixteen. This was like a month ago. Um, it was limited people, obviously, but um, before that, um, actually no, re actually as recently as of two weeks ago, I DJed. Uh, I did this uh, little small like weed like uh, event tour with Nori and Term. I've seen that, man. What was that? I've seen the footage of that on somebody. It was basically just like a weed event that, that Nori uh, did a walkthrough and like uh, hosted for like an hour or so, you know? It was like, just like a... It was, uh, it was love. It was social distance. You know, everybody was masked up and it was smooth, yo. sort of of ganja, like, right? Was it like that? Yeah, it was, it was ill. It was in a dope spot too. Shout out my man, Yo V. He um, ended up throwing the joint, but um, it was uh, with these dudes called the Pharmacists. They're out of Rhode Island. They're like these big growers and shit. They got like a fucking Greyhound bus with like their fucking logo on it. And like they fucking they sound like growers or they sound like some Cypress Hill rapper type crew. You know? Yeah. Word up. Word up. So they had like their own, they had their own like venue, like weed friendly venue with like everything set up with their shit on it. Like the fucking uh, the tables that you sit at had their logo on it and shit. Had fucking lounge chairs all over the place. Shit was ill. That's branding, man. It's, that's enterprising. Oh, your name on Word you. is born. Yo, Nori, Nori loved it. Nori loved it. Yo, is uh, like I know you have a lot of merch, right? Like T-shirts, hats, stickers. What's the most like unique piece of 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 Dead Eye merch that you've got, or ST the Squad merch? Not uh, a T-shirt. Something. Like, I would say uh, unique. Unique would probably be these shirts because they're. I got them in white too. They're from the original batch. Uh, from like 2015. You shouldn't even be wearing that. That's a vintage shirt, bro. You need to I got I got a couple still wrapped up in the plastics, but um, that's like probably the oldest piece. Though? I have one. I have one 
five panel hat that I made in like 2013. That's probably the old, oldest piece. Yo, five panel hat, the fucking best hat that fits Jake the Snake's dome. Better than a, a fitted oh, or me too. A like hat. real talk. I'm, I love I love the snaps and I like wearing my hat backwards, so snaps are good for that. But yeah, I'm one of the only dudes that can that could pull off the five panel like in 2020. I don't know. Join your something panel, about something man. about the way the, the square dome is or something that we got. I don't know what it is. I just like when I wear fitteds or even snapbacks, it's the front. It makes my head it's just like huge looking. It makes my head, it's bigger yeah. than my head. You know, it's this negative yeah. space where my head doesn't feel the hat. And five panel hats like a glove, dude. It's just nice. Yep. Big facts, bro. I have the same issues right here, you see? Yeah, yeah. Then you know, <laughs> your ears in a fitted. Remember that, dude? Yeah, to- oh, that was the worst. Seven and five. The, they'll stick their ears in the fitted and stuff their sneakers in the socks. Yo, it's either that or your ears are fucking like monkey ears. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm afraid if I did that too long, they would permanently get like that. You know? <laughs> That's a nightmare of mine. I stay up at night pondering such matters. But um, Yo, fam. Dude. Crazy. Is, is, it, is it nice and cool? I would, I would say the five panel. I would say the five panel is probably the, like, if you got that, like, you've been a fan for a minute. Yeah, man. Dude, I want to make five panel hats. I have, like, one or two. They're hard to find in any. And then, like, you know, I mean, I was buying blank ones, like Army-Navy store ones for a while. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. I remember, like... You should make some for the podcast, bro. Shoot, I got a T-shirt in the works right now. It's pretty fire. I don't know if people want a five panel hat that says damaged goods. I think a T-shirt, maybe, like, I was going to make drug paraphernalia, like weed rolling things or a grinder, cocaine bullets. Yeah, that's cool. All, All that shit is dope. Yeah. It, you know what I've noticed in the merch game is that you don't know what people are gonna like. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I'll I'll make some shit that I think is fly and dope and will work, and people will go towards something that was way easier to make and didn't take as much brain power and shit like that to to come up is with. Is it the harder idea. to to slang merch without having like live shows to like perform at and then slang your merch right after? Uh, it's still, it still sells, um, online, like through, you know, DMs or, um, PayPal and shit like that. Um, but definitely I would sell more if I was doing shows or I was doing, um, a tour or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man. I miss, I miss. It would, it would move faster. It still moves. It just moves a little slower. That's all. Yeah. Live music, man. I just, ugh, I want, I want to know when that can come back. Uh, I know, man. It's tough. No, I'm I- hearing, um, I'm hearing, uh, uh, spring of 2021, which yeah, is I heard crazy. fall fall 2021, even which wow. is better. yeah. Well, I mean, not like for like large scale touring, if you're talking about like arenas or yeah, yeah, yeah. Too big. I had so much shit lined up before this fucking shit, man. It's just crazy. Uh, you're telling me, dude. I'm like out of my main income source right now with this shit out of the way. So that's just like I should be. I've been. I've been writing a lot. Like I've been writing a follow up book to my book that's out and podcasting and stuff. And I have all this this downtime, but I've actually been like struggling creatively. I've had some personal shit going on in my life. Coincidentally, that's right along the same time as all this other shit. And like I was just battling with like like slipping in and out of depression so much that I couldn't even do the artistic things that I do for either money or for fun, really for myself, yeah. like writing and broadcasting that usually make me feel better. I couldn't even get my ass to fucking podcast some of the time because I had such fucked up shit going on or sitting right. Like those are the things that bring me joy. And I found myself. Yeah, it's tough. Confused, it's you know? tough, man. When you're, when you're in that, like when you're in that version of yourself, it's tough to try to put other versions of yourself when that's over draping everything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. I mean, I feel like 
this is might be presumptuous of me, so if so, pardon me. But I feel like I've either seen you discuss this, or maybe we've even communicated about it on like social media, that you've kind of dealt with some of those things like anxiety and depression and shit like that too. You know? For sure. They um they come in and out. Um usually it's you know it's always inside of you, but yeah. usually it's outside shit that that like brings it out, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But um I've definitely felt way better and way less, um, you know, like that since I stopped drinking and since, um, obviously since there ain't bad shows going on, you know, how long kinda got, you kind of got to figure out, figure out your own path in terms of, like you said, being creative and, and having outlets. So, you know, how long is it? Hel- it helps and it hurts, you know, you've been not drinking for what, like a four five, six months. I got a year in like five oh, months. Shit, man, I was way off a year. Congratulations. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, I got like, uh, this will be like week 77 or some shit like that. So that equates to like, I think a year in like four and a half or five months, something like that. Was it like, was it depression and anxiety issues that kind of led you or motivated you to get sober? Um, It was really just like being in my own way, man. And like, um. You know, a lot of the issues that I've had throughout my life or things have, that have brought me negativity around me were at the bottom of it, uh, of it like the foundation of it was alcohol induced mm. stupid shit or, you know, some shit that you wouldn't have did had you not been that way or fucking up relationships or fucking up money. Yeah. Like it just all boils down to like being fucked up, you know? Yeah. And like. I mean, I've dude, I've shared many a beverage with some of your your crewmates and shit. So I know it's a prevalent substance around you. Uh, Most definitely, <laughs> yeah. I was in the, I was in the lab yesterday uh, with Term and Fuse and um, a couple other heads. You know, they had the Henny rocking, they had the bruise. And that don't tempt you that you don't fall off your path. You you're solid. You're like fuck all. Nah, that. yeah, I'm I'm hundred percent solid. Mm-hmm. It's actually weird. Like I've noticed that when I stop drinking. And when people who drink like ask me if I want to drink and I say no, it like it weirds them out more yeah, than me. Sure. Because I don't have a, I don't have an issue with you drinking in front of me. Like it's not going to entice me to drink at all. But they feel like, oh, it's kind of like I equate it to like when like say you're in a fucking party and a group of coke heads offer you coke and you're like, no, nah, I'm good. After that, it's like mad weird. You know what I'm saying? They're like, oh, like they feel ashamed being around you or some shit. Uh, you know what I mean? I think I think there's this thing that people assume it's not really a real thing, but they assume that because I know you still still smoke weed, right? Yeah, I still smoke weed. So I think people might assume like, okay, he don't drink, then maybe he's like cross the board, straight edge. And then I think people who aren't, they imagine the person in your position to be thinking that they're oh, he must think he's holier than thou, or he thinks he's yeah, better than yeah, us. Yeah, it's mad weird. And, and it's not like, dude, I, I have a lot of family and friends that have gone sober because they had to, man. It was life or death. Yeah. I still party. I take weeks, months off, everything, and then I resume. But I have no qualms mm-hmm. getting fucked up in front of them. Unless it's like my little cousin fresh out of rehab and I'm not trying to, you know, spread Yeah, it. yeah, you're not trying like, to be the, the old I don't feel bad. Yeah. I'm like, we're bored for me. I'm not, don't judge me over here. I'm not going to get a DUI. I'm going to start a fight. I'm a fun partier, but I'm proud of people taking care of their health. Like I eat really healthy, I exercise. So I kind of look at people who live in unhealthy, like outside of substances. I look at them the way you probably look at someone drinking. 
But I'm like, yeah. fuck, you want to eat that Baconator from Wendy's? Go ahead, eat that Baconator. I might get drunk and pop a fucking Molly later or eat a bag of mushrooms and go surfing. Don't judge me. Yep. But I don't get weirded out by it because I have so many friends and family in your shoes that I'm comfortable around that. And, and it's yeah. like, me too. I'm, I have like no, like no problems with it at all. But I've, I've noticed that other people find it like, oh, uh, you know. And they might be struggling inside an internal dialogue of, Maybe I need to get my shit straight. Or maybe they're jealous, like, oh, man, Deadeye seems like he's happier and better, you know? That's like, a fact. I, I think about it, and that's why I take, I take these breaks. I'm actually on, like, a week right now. Not like I'm trying to do a long stretch and not, like, seven or eight days as much, but I haven't had anything in my body just because I'm just relaxing. But I think about yeah. that sometimes, too. And then I have some friends, people like you, sober, and they, they've got their shit together. I have also some sober friends who are fucking miserable. They look so bored and miserable. I'm like, damn, dude, I don't want to go sober by turning into you. you. They hate like waking up more than I do when I'm depressed. So yeah. it's unique to everybody's own situation. Each person. And it's balance, man. You know, you got to, you can't, like, if booze and whatever makes you happy. Yeah. Like, and if that's, like, part like more than half of your happiness comes from that shit and you take it away yeah. and you don't feel it and you don't fulfill that void of happiness you know what i'm saying you're gonna you're gonna slip right into that depression yeah. and you got you gotta find, you got outlets. Gotta find other outlets yeah yeah you got your music right and not just I music. music i got my daughter i got a uh, merch business i'm trying to run i'm trying to do all types of shit i'm executive producing albums i got my own music I'm just trying to stay even out here, you know what I mean? Energy, yo. You got places to put it. Some people, when they stop drinking or doing drugs or whatever, all they have is like a, a nine to five job. And it might even be a good paying job, but they don't like it. It doesn't offer yep. creative vibes of their soul. So you took away the partying shit out of your life. And all you got is this maybe a good paying job, but you hate that job and you already hated going there. So now you and got- you missed, And you miss partying like a motherfucker. Yeah, and then you got nothing else. You don't have a hobby on the, you're not playing ball on the weekends with your boys. You don't have anything else. Those are the friends of mine that are sober that look miserable. Some of my sober friends are musicians, painters, artists, surfers, skateboarders, and they have mad shit they love to do and they're all good, you know? Yeah, and they feel great about not having that block them from their creativity, you know what I mean? Like that's ill. It's ill. I, I I love it, man. I don't know if I'm ever going back. You know what I mean? I mean, well, so that's what I would assume the plan was, right? Or it was like a permanent departure from alcohol. Yeah, right? for for me it was. You know, for some others, like you know, like you said, you take like eight, nine, ten days off. Some yeah, people take thirty, 30 off. days off, a couple months off. You know, yeah. and then go right back. You know, so yeah, and man. it doesn't affect them. And even then, like I could probably go back and it not affect me, but I don't want to go back. Yo, you're on a good wave, dude. Ride the fucking wave. You know what I mean? Exactly, dude. man. I'm getting more shit done, like, from just not having to deal with the recovery. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I, especially, like, I, I imagine you and I are, like, the same age. As you get a little older, it, like, it just hit me, like, two years ago. Even up till I was, maybe not even, like, a year ago. I was still, like, I could hang with kids in their 20s, like, an yep. animal. And then all of a sudden, one day, I'm like, fuck, now I'm in my late 30s. I can't bounce back. I thought I was the infinite energy man, but now I'm yeah. Now I'm you know, feeling. And even if you take care of yourself and you go to the gym and now all that shit, mentality too. It's tough, yo, yo. That old, old is old. Don't crack, man. That shit's gonna be there. That yeah. old shit is. You gotta embrace hard. it and work with it. You know. Yeah. I've been. I haven't had meat in a few days. Not like I'm going vegan or vegetarian. I like cracking shellfish and lobster and steak too much. But my girl and I just she's been cooking all these vegetarian dishes. 
and I feel good. So I'm kind of riding the wave out, but it's not like I'm not going, I might have a burger on Sunday. Who fucking knows? Yeah. But I, I would, I would love to be, to have that shit a little more, more balanced. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty good at it, but dude, I'm fucking Hispanic and I live in an all Hispanic. Dominican, bro. There's no excuse. She's Dominican. She'd be cooking veggies. She's just going to be eating all types of like, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I haven't fucked with pork in over 10 years, but, um, like there's still like mad red meat, mad starch. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's tough, man. Mad yeah. bread. You know what I mean? I hear you. And I, yo, I still fuck around. I mean, dude. I like the other night I just mowed a bunch of Cheetos and shit like a big bag, three dollars, <laughs> not the ninety nine cent bag to the face. No, nah, no, nah, the, the real the dollar eighty nine shit oh, to the face. Like already know. my girlfriend's already looking at know. me like oh, I'm a pig. Just I already know, dog. We had I was with a friend of mine the other day. His daughter loves the 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 hot Cheetos, the flaming oh, hot. She's kid. a kid. So we we went because those are the only ones she'll eat. She ain't gonna eat the Takis. <laughs> so we went to three different bodegas looking for these uh, uh, Cheeto joints, and they only had the the vintage bag with the old Chester shit on it. That's my favorite, the vintage bag. Yo, son, crazy, bro. She wasn't having it, though, huh? Oh, she was not having the bootlegs. She needed the real shit. Yo, the kids, the, ki the little kids love the real hot ones. They like the triple hot flaming ones. That's too much for me, dude. I don't get, I don't understand when the super hot spicy shit for kids became a thing. Yeah, and yo, it's, it's not only is it hot, your hands, your fingers get, it's not even orange, it's like red. You could paint a fucking house with that shit. Takis, yep. forget about it, bro. That's like a blood stain or red wine. Yo, let's talk. It looks, it looks like you fucking cut your hand open. Dude, it takes about a good 20 minutes to wash your fucking hands. I eat them no with chopsticks fact. now on the strength of like not ruining my fingertips and shit. But with, with chopsticks? Dog, that's the move. <laughs> Yo, that's fire, dog. We're going to have a fancy Cheeto dinner. A supper, if you will, with chopsticks. Oh yeah, yo, it's it's, it's elegant. It's elegance, you know, and it just it's practical. So nice. Nah, I, I, I mean, you don't want say you're wearing an all white something, you know. You don't want to get your shit. I'm cheesed wearing up, all white you know right mean? now. I yeah, want to get it cheesed up, dog. Get them fucking dude. Get them. Uh, get you them, see get a guy eating Cheetos at a party when he's wearing all white? That man is a magical being. He's dan it's like drinking wine wearing all white at a party. White pants? A girl with white pants is a bold, strong woman. You know what I'm saying? Yo, facts, bro. Also, because black is a slimming <laughs> color, white is an expanding color. So if you're wearing white, you're very confident in yourself. And I like that. I like that. Now, white white is a, yeah, very confident color for sure. 100%. Because, yo. You got to be of a certain mind state to, like, pull that off. You know what I mean? Remember when white tees used to be triple XL? Looking like yep. little extras in the wire in 2003. <laughs> yep. Oh, I never went to three. I never went to three X, but I've had some big ass two X's. I was at the swap meet on Slauson and like two weeks ago. My girl wanted to go look at some shit, you know, and they have to do it outside now because it's too big of a place. They want so it's all these little like uh like a flea market it looks like, but it's the whole swap meet, and they can you could still buy like five tees for twenty kind of thing, you know, the thick kind of uncomfortable ones. I see yeah, yeah. And we're on the West Coast, and it's 2020. This is not 2004. See this motherfucker walking around with a straight up triple. It was like a vintage triple XT. Must have been from oh 2002. Down with to the his hardest collar known to man. Yeah, it was down to his thighs. I didn't know if he was doing it purposely or he just was in a time warp. You know. Yeah, I remember um, when Premier launched his um, his his merch brand. And he had these no live, like the illest fucking black 
toughest tee you could ever fucking wear, dog. With the collar, like, you can't even see, like, the bottom of you. You know what I mean? Yo, like, bulletproof tees type, like, hardcore t-shirts. You know what I mean? And I remember getting them, and I'm like, and I, I seen them the other day. I was looking in my closet, and I was like, yo, these shits still look like I got them yesterday. Because they just, and I got them, like, I don't know, when the fuck did we shoot the U video? Um, like 2009 or 10, they're like 10 year old tees or almost now, and they're like, like you said, they're just like unbreakable fucking tees, dog. They used to build them durable back then, dude. Yo, durable. Yo, the 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 collar shit would be like two or three collars in one thing, yeah, like man. I remember what you're talking about, and you know, I, it's hard to find those because a lot of those spots you got to go to like some of those hood stores, the hat stores, or gear stores, because yep. foot actions and foot lockers are like dead pretty much. Yeah, they and all they carry is champion now, anyway. Yeah, or they got a logo on everything. You can't get a plain white tee there, you know. Nah, you're right. Yeah, you can't get a plain white tee. You got to go to the, the, the hood ones or yeah. order them online or get hands oh, or some dude, shit. Fucking online, crazy. Everything's online. <laughs> dude, yeah, the white tee game changed, bro. Yeah, I mean, you don't even see as many white tees, or if you do, they're real tight. Man, tis. Everyone looks real jacked because the tees are hell tight. yeah. How they got the smallest fucking uh, sleeves known to man, which is basically armpit fucking sleeves. Yeah, it makes you feel jacked if you're not, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I feel pretty muscular when I wear it. I feel, like, I feel like companies started doing that so they could sell unisex tees. Uh, cut cost, cut overhead. That's smart. They don't have to buy male and female tees. They just get one tee that fits both. Do you make uh, girls' tees or women's tees? I, I'm about to dive into the like strictly woman size shit. I've had the unisex tees for a little bit, uh, and those sell good. And and real talk, the girls love them because yeah. they're like, because they're like bigger than a girl shirt. You know how they like wearing the big shit. Yeah, they wearing your shirt, wearing your boys. Shirt. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's like it's big like a man tee, but not that huge, uncomfortable like gilded like you know, construction paper oh, ass t-shirt. That's the worst brand. That's that thick. It's hot in the summer, you know? Yep. And you got a t-shirt on and you hot. Shit don't even make sense. No, it's hot. I don't know what it is in Massachusetts right now. Like, I mean, I had to, I turned on like the ACs and fans off on a podcast for audio supremacy, but it's, yep. it's 99 degrees out today. Dude. It's hot. That's crazy. It's been like 100 degrees. See, all out here, out here, this is the last week. You know how, like, when you remember out here, it would, it would, it would get into September and it, and it start feeling like fall, and then you get that one last week of summer. Yeah, that means that's where we at right now. Some of the that's white people right be wearing shorts for like three more weeks, though. Shorts with like a, a North yeah, Face yeah. jacket on, and that's some shorts. The college kids. Yo, facts, facts. They'll push that so, shit. Yeah, so that's where it's at right now. It was like 75, but like mad humid this week. How's the studio? Nice and cool in the studio? Studio's cool. Um, it got a window, so sometimes it should be dumb hot. If I turn the, um, you know, if I if I actually got my computers on and the machines on, it yeah, gets hot yeah. in this booth. Equipment, man. Still, I, the booth's always used to, because, you know, ain't no AC or fans in the booth. The booth, when I used to record in the summer, you were going to drop maybe five pounds in a session. You sweated it Easily, out. easily. Especially if you wasn't quick in that bitch. Yeah, man. I mean, you know what? Like, what I was—I was impressed about myself. Um, if I could pat myself on the back for five, if I, how fucking presumptuous is that on my own podcast? I'm gonna big myself up. But impressed <laughs> as shitty as I was recently, right? And I was lazy. Like, I didn't even want to surf, which is one of my favorite things, or do my normal shit. I still use my Catholic shame to make myself exercise every morning because it's like I ain't gonna be one of these dudes during this 
You like coronavirus shit that just puts on 80 pounds and gives up. Even if I hate myself, I hate life, and I don't want to leave the house because I'm scared to breathe, I'm going to do push-ups and dips and pull-ups and just earn, just like put on the most hardcore rap and work out in the house. You yep. That's what I've been doing, really, is, is like gym workouts uh, yep. in the crib. Yep. Um, but, um, you know, very, very light on equipment and, uh, you know, benches and room. So you got to kind of do what you can do, you know? Exercise for me is actually was always one of those things that helped me like fight off depression or anxiety. I would get all that negative energy out of me and shit. Just like art, you know, arts, uh, doing anything music or artistic shit always helps a lot, you know? Def, def. I feel like, um, I feel like, um, I mean, it's a sense of creativity, but like even just like fixing a room or something, like painting something, you know what I mean? Like just being, being constructive you know, helps get out of those, those mind states. You know, when you do something productive and it comes out dope, you feel good about yourself, you know? Yeah, it's just fun, dude, like building, setting up. Like I bet even when you set up like the studio, like putting paintings on the wall, where you want to put yep. your equipment and shit, like all that. I just got some new speakers for my turntables and shit. I got to pick them up my, from my boy and then set it up in the crib. I'm looking forward to that kind of, cause I got oh, all yeah. new records I haven't been able to listen to for the two months, so. Yep. Nah, same here. I had my second, my second room next door. That shit was a fucking, basically a storage for like four months. Mm. But that's where all my shit is at. So I'm like, damn, I can't even use, like, I can't use my shit until I get another spot and like clear this out and fix it up and make it right. You know? Yeah. You so are now. Now it's getting there. It's a little bit more open. I'll be able to set up the turntables. And- nice to have all that space though, so you can create comfortably. It's a must, man. It's a must, and it's a must to have it for me anyway have it separated from your living situation. Yo, that's a, speak on that. That's a significant thing I think a lot of artistic people need to know about. Definitely. I feel like, well, for me anyway, like it just gives you like a sense of uh, purpose or, or a sense of like you're doing, you're going to this place to do something, to get something done per yeah. se, you know? When you're in the crib, it's easy to just wake up and just look at the side and see the turntables and all the equipment there. And it's easy for you to just go in the living room and watch TV. You know what I'm saying? And that's why I think like when, when the coronavirus shit hit and a lot of people had to work from home, there's a lot of people who already kind of work from home before. And some who people can get, who can get through it. But then the people who don't, yeah. those people are going through yeah, it. Bro. I mean, there is something to be said. Like I like kind of getting out of the crib to do certain shit, you know, for work related shit. And I do, I write at the crib, but I used to go to like, there's bars I walk to down the street for me, and like I'd sit in the booth alone, and I've got headphones like, listening to jazz, and I'm I was just be pumping out chapters just to get out of the crib and write. Say my girl was home, she wanted to hang out with people. I was like, get the fuck out, and I could go right over there. I yep. mean, broadcasting, go to the radio station, Dash Radio with your girl Beans. You yep, know, yep. like I I like to do that, and then doing it all at the crib, there is something where it's like fuck, this is my, this is my living space, but now I'm trying to be creative in it. You know, like. You can do that, but I feel like for me, I had a wall. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, that's what happened to me, dude. For the first like so many months, I was fine, and then I just started feeling zapped from creativity for a lot of reasons. And just being in my crib, I felt if I had a, a spot to go to, like an office to be creative, then then a different creativity would come out. Yeah, a couple years, maybe maybe like six years ago, a friend of mine told me he's like, you shouldn't have a TV in your room anymore. You should have your bedroom kind of be a place that you associate with, with like rest and sleep. You want to watch TV, you want to watch a movie, go, go to the living room. So I stopped keeping a TV in the bedroom and that really helped me kind of sleep better. 
And then just like four months ago, my girl and I, we, dude, we just, we, we stopped having any electronics except for like lamps in our bedroom. We, we bought these little digital alarm clocks. We don't even keep the phones in the bedroom no more. So like, there's no internet in the bedroom. I mean, yes, you can get Wi-Fi in there, but like we don't have the router in there, none of that shit. We don't keep the phones. So there's no stimulation even when we're sleeping. There's no alarm gonna go off on our phone. We got these little alarm clocks, taking it back to the 80s. But dude, nothing's ever done anything for my sleep like this. Like it's incredible. I sleep like all the way through the night. It's That's perfect, crazy. Man. Yeah. Yeah, you just needed less distractions. Yeah, man, less stimulation and lights and shit. Yeah. I'm sure your lady loves it too. You know what I'm saying? It's more like uh, you know, more human interaction. Yeah, you know? it was her her idea, actually. Um, I was like, I was with it, man. So yeah, word up, man. Whatever, whatever makes the boat keep going, man. That's right, man. That's all you gotta do sometimes, man. So, yeah, man. what, uh, what projects? You, as I know, you're a man juggling many projects. And what, what musical endeavors you got um, in the works right now? What's in the oven? Um, well, uh, as of two weeks ago, I dropped. Um, I executive produced uh, one of my brothers, uh, one of my ST brothers' albums, uh, Artisans. I did an album called yeah. Cinematic with him, nice. where I kind of like drove the car. You know what I'm saying? And brought in outside elements that he normally wouldn't work with. Um, I want to do that type of shit for everybody in the team, at least one project. Um, but we'll see what we get there, you know? Um, but like I just did. doing that, the executive producer thing, what do you feel like you dig about that? I like it because I don't have to necessarily be in the front dealing with a lot of the, the, the shit, like the, oh, I need a hook on this. I need a, you know, I need to get a, a feature for on this track or, you know, just developing the sound. Um, what is this going to be about? For me, it's like, it's his shit. I'm just, I'm driving it and I'm going to bring you to blocks that you don't go on and pick up shit that you normally don't pick up. Mm. You know what I mean? Are you bringing a lot, are you bringing a lot of the production to the table? What not? So like, so like with, with Sin's album, he, he makes beats too. But a lot of the times, like, he makes his own shit and writes. And he, so he's lost in his own sauce. You know what I'm saying? I kind of wanted him to just kind of, like, focus on being the MC. You know what I'm saying? Just be be the artist, you know? Yeah. So he produced he produced half of it. And then um, I got Fuse to do, like, three joints. And then I got outside people, like, my man Flash uh, from Little Brother. Oh, wow. Um, and my man um, Manipulator. He's from out here. And... Um, who else did we get? I got Loman in there too. Loman did two beats. Yep. So I kind of like took him, let him do his element. And then I, you know, half of the other half of the album, I, I kind of drove around and, 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 and finished it up. I think like you, you brought up a good point about letting, letting him be the artist or letting him be the MC. And I found in my own travels and, and work in music and also seeing it with a lot of independent artists, oftentimes the artist, is, is juggling, is switching between left brain and right brain with being the artist, the MC, the, the writer, whatever. And then having to do a lot of the executive producing or the, um, or even like, uh, yeah, man, like any of that shit, the business mind, the, the managerial shit. And I think it's real hard for an artist to switch back and forth between being creative and business minded. And it kind of convolutes both of them. And if you could just focus on one, you're, right. you're going to have a better product in the end or a better project, I should say. Fuck a product. You are. You're 100% right, man. And then what happens is, is that some people are great at creating and horrible at marketing themselves yes. or, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. or, or even getting art done or any of that shit. You know what I'm saying? And then some dudes are better at the marketing than they are being creative. So 
you yeah. kind of got to figure out what type of artist you're working with or or that you are mm. and then pick a side you know yeah and like no no strengths but knowing your weaknesses just as much so that someone and else knowing, and knowing that you need that help man yeah that's ill that you can recognize that and like i always wish there was more people kind of doing what you're doing now to help balance that for artists so they weren't struggling so hard to bounce back and forth between the business and the art the business yeah. and, the art. and the thing is now too with everything being so hands-on or like easy for artists to be like okay yeah i run my you know my social media my band camp my blah 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 blah, blah. it's easy for them to get lost in the whole like oh yeah i'm fucking p diddy i'm a one-man show but not everybody jay-z dude like you you're know? suffering your, your, your creativity or whatever is suffering because you're worried about some other shit that has nothing to do with your creative process yeah, you know? and like for me when i get creative i like to slip deep into the creative zone where like the only thing i'm doing is creating and then maybe when I kind of get out of that zone, if I have to work on like talking to, for me, like a publisher or something like that, yep. or if you're talking like an artist, like they can deal with, with the albums and whoever's putting the, the label or whatever, finishing kind of one piece and then going to the other so I don't have to jump back and forth. I used to but hate that's that. key. You figured that out in, for yourself. A lot of these motherfuckers just, they so lost in their own creative I think, sauce. I think you hit the nail on the head though, saying that because everyone can do it all, right? They can put it up online and they see like everything. And like, yo, the culture, even aspects of the culture, people promote that, like the bloggers and the, the tastemakers, they say, you can do it all yourself, but yo, you're diluting the quality of the art, pushing these kids to do all of it because yeah, yes, right. you can do it all, but then your shit sucks, dude, you know? Yeah. Like, that's uh, why, like that's why the, way, the ways of the A&R went in the toilet because yeah people thought that they could just do it themselves when it's like, yo, no, these people are actually helping you become the artist that you think you are in your brain. Yeah, I mean, like people could say what you want to say about like Jay Electronic or whatever. I imagine the man just makes the music. I don't think he really has much input about a lot of the other things, but I like his shit, it holds up, it has, it's timeless for me. There's a lot of people like that. And then, you know, everyone sees like a West Side Gun who's doing executive producing everyone's albums and has the sickest merchant art. Not everyone's gonna be like that, but then he can let dudes like Benny and Conway just do their thing yeah. and look how look how they shine. You know what I'm saying? And you know what's wild with that situation is that 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 was his role from the get. He was yeah. he was there he was their manager and shit. And then you know what I'm saying Con got shot and Benny was in jail. Yeah, so Westside was like, well, well, I'm the fucking rapper now, I guess. Yeah. And he, I mean, he his story, their story is, is a great one because because of that whole backstory, like you said, you know, he filled in that gap that role. And then and got Con, it rolling. And then he went back to it once dudes came out and when Khan got better and shit. And you know, I, I just see a lot of artists that trying to do so much. And I wonder, man, your shit might be better if you could just focus a little. But it's hard, I get it, because you're you're starting off there's less money coming in. You don't want to split it between they don't even want to give the manager money. If you could just trust the manager to, to promote your shit and make the right connections and help you book shows and you could focus on this, everything would be so much more peachy. You know what I mean? Real, real talk, real talk, man, you know? And it's really not that hard to do. You just gotta like do, like just like people do their due diligence about creating a project, do your due diligence on who you should be yeah. involving, who you should be getting involved in your shit. That way you don't have so much on your plate, you know? Yeah. I always looked at like other artists, people I knew too, who were they working with? If I liked what they were doing, ask them. Mm -hmm. Or if people got burned and had a horrible situation with somebody, I want to know that too. So I don't make yeah, of course. 
you don't want to be out here maneuvering blind, you know, but the problem is too, that people don't want to, they don't want to speak up. They don't want to ask for any advice or anything like that. Like they just, they rather just walk around ignorantly, like, you know, confident, <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? It's, it's hard weird. humble in music. And especially I think in hip hop culture too, to, to, to have to ask means you don't know. And to, to means you don't know means, uh, you know, people look at that like it's a weakness or something. Yeah, or or they look at you like prey, like, oh, this motherfucker don't know. Okay, don't take advantage of me, you know. Yeah, word up, man. Yeah, I think it's it's fucked up too. I do like seeing the newer generation of artists seem to be a little better at that than when when it, I was in there. You know, I mean, yep. you would speak on that better because you're still involved in music directly, so you might know better than. Now you're right. They definitely they're definitely more um willing to help each other now. Yeah. But it's also the same type of deal. It's like, oh, he ain't hip and he's not down, so fuck them. Yeah. You know what I mean? So and that's it's, I would, it's give and take. I feel like the old heads are more willing to help too, but there's that gap between the old head and the young person who doesn't want to ask. Yeah. You know, maybe they think that person didn't go about it the right way. So why yeah, would they? They don't want to hear the old person telling you don't know what to tell me. You did it wrong. Like I don't want yeah, to exactly. all those type shit. You know. Exactly, and yeah. it's like yo, just because his situation worked out that way doesn't mean there's uh something that you can't learn from it. Yeah, you know what I mean? and also, man, like it's always good to listen to someone who's done it before, even if you don't agree or don't like how they did it. Learn from that. Learn exactly yeah. where they went wrong. Like you have yeah. nothing to lose. Learning from older people, you know, you really and don't. older people too, but you know. Yeah, you really don't. You know, it's just it's all in, it's all about what you feel like you can take from it. You know, you have you ever? I think maybe like you know the the realm you're in in hip hop maybe it doesn't matter as much, but have you encountered in a problematic sense any of the that age gap hip hop bullshit? Um, sometimes you know. Um. You know, man, these the young kids are so weird with the, the like if you if you don't know something, then you just like this like square. Grandpa. You know what I'm saying? You just like this like super dork, like herb, like loser, like if you're not hip, and it's just like dog, don't act like you're fucking, you know, Rockefeller or Bad Boy Records here where it's everywhere and I'm just not I'm just supposed to know, you know. Mm -hmm. You have like fucking three thousand followers tops you know what i'm saying like yeah. nobody knows you <laughs> besides the people who hit you up on your own shit like not everybody's hip you know I think so I've, I've run into that type of shit um and i'm a person who's pretty hip you know what i'm saying but there's there's especially with this new like underground wave there's so many motherfuckers that like came out or were like super underground that like are like yo I was the father of this, or I'm the dad of this, or I'm the whatever of this. And I'm like, bro, where were you? I don't I didn't even see you. <laughs> and you know, and it's like there's always somebody that you could actually trace that father-like lineage of styles too that Yeah, you deaf, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, you know, another thing too is like, you know, everybody's self-proclaimed, you know what I'm saying? And before back in the day, you used to have to earn these uh, somebody else right? has to call you OG. You can't become an OG. Somebody else yeah, has to type you that. You can't call yourself king of this or yeah, whatever of that like yeah. who are you like what the fuck did you do you know what i'm saying i mean that's definitely like i try not to get stuck in that age paradigm thing yeah I, I don't either but i feel it comes, 
That's a new I thing. Like, I, you know what's wild about it is like, you know, the perception is that the old heads are like, you know, get off my lawn to the young heads. Yeah. But I feel like it's more of the young heads being like, fuck out of here, old guy. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, I, I don't I don't remember being like that. Like I felt like I was interested in in soaking up as much game and knowledge from the old heads. And also that's how you got respect from the older people was not being a dumb young kid when you were younger. You know, I mean, when I was like 11, I was probably like, fuck you, mom. Like, fuck all yeah, you guys yeah. don't know. But I mean, when I'm like 18, 22, you know, I yeah, wanted yeah. to learn from these cats. I yeah, did. Yeah. And we did. Yeah. And and we're still learning from them. And we still like hold them at certain, you know, certain levels in our in our hierarchy, you know. Yeah. But I, I feel I, like I like seeing I feel it. like now I feel like now like, um you know, they can get it themselves. You know, they got their own PayPal accounts. They don't get label advances. They don't, you know what I mean? They fucking sell their albums for like $200. It's just, yeah. it's like the Wild West, you know? So yeah, I understand crazy. why they're like, yo, I'm not listening to this fucking, you know what I mean? Because yeah. they're not even dealing with the same type of way of going about it. But at the same time, you know, you're not going to always know everything. You know what yeah. I'm saying? You got to you gotta have some type of old head or somebody who's been there that yeah, gives sure. you the, the runaround, I, you know? I like seeing that, like, finally I'm starting to see hip-hop, like, break away from that age gap where, like, why can classic rock dudes be 75 on stage, jazz musicians 75, you know? And hip-hop, you got to stop when you're 30. I like seeing certain artists break that sh that mold and love still I love, going to, I love going to Wu-Tang I love going to Wu-Tang shows and seeing these 50 year old motherfuckers walking yeah, around yeah. I love it I love it I love I went I've seen Slick, I seen Slick Rick live I've seen um Slick Rick gotta be damn near 55 and he's still nice as shit dude one of my favorite. easily easily even motherfuckers like Busta and shit like they up there they're like 50 you know what I mean KRS, KRS, Big Daddy Kane, these motherfuckers are killing it still, and they're fucking almost 60 years old. Yo, G Rap hasn't lost a step. You could argue G Rap. Oh, dog. I gotta tell you, about, I gotta tell you about that shit, bro. Tell me so, about that shit. Bro, we're in, we, uh, for some reason I'm in New York, um, uh, and I'm going to Statics, I'm going to Statics, uh, Shade 45 show. Just so happens they got G Rap coming in. Mm. G raps in there. He's doing he's doing shade before he goes and does uh, radio. Oh no, my bad. Uh, BB Kings. He's yeah. headlining one of the last shows at BB Kings. What oh. he's in the lab. He does static drops the fast life beat and he has him do it live. Oh word! It's a classic Nas and G rap song for listeners who don't. Oh, crazy, crazy. He's doing it live like da -da -da -da. yo son killing it. He's fifty something like shit is bananas. Then. Then I, I go and catch the show at him at BB King's, bro. No hype man. Yes. Yes. Bro, slaughtering shit. I'm just like, how? This is the illest breath control I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, and, and he's a... G-Rap's not a skinny little dude. He's a husky. Yeah, he's, not, he's not fat either, but he's like, yeah, he's you know what I mean? He's in, in between him. He's like a fullback. Yeah, boom. Exactly. And yeah, yo, man. that's... To me, man, that's one of the illest signs of, of a dope... MC live and a lot of people have cri criticism about live hip hop shows and I'll keep it funky. There's a lot of my favorite hip hop artists are terrible live. But when you yep. see a dude like G rap, who's probably in his mid fifties, who's been rhyming for 30 years, spitting with a, just a DJ, no fucking hype man, no crew, no, no, no backup track. Dog. Like you know, the first time I saw rock Marcy live and this is like 10 years ago, or maybe mm -hmm. not, it was a time like Mossberg album came out. 
Yep. And I, I knew about him. I'd never seen him in person. First off, he's yeah. a much smaller gentleman than I am. I'm a big dude. I nah, word up. stage, same shit. No hype man, no nothing. And he was just so like delicately flowing, gentle, no backing tracks. And that instantly made me respect him more. You know what Most I'm saying? Like, and then I did, I did a show with him like three years ago um, uh, when he did, he did an album with Muggs. Mm. And they were, actually, no, my bad. Mayhem did an album with Muggs. And they were opening for Rock Marcy that night, and I was DJing the show. And I seen him just have the the hope. It was sold out. I was at um I think Santos or um Highline Highline Ballroom. It was like 15, 1,500 or a thousand people in there. He had them like this. They knew all the words, huh. like no hype man. I mean, uh, he ended up bringing out Busta. Busta did like a speech on stage, yeah. like about him and shit. But he had no hype man. Shit was bananas. He rocked for like an hour and 20 minutes. Dude, like you see a lot of new artists, and I get it when you're young, you got your boys on stage. I've done this, I'm guilty as too. You got 20 yep. people from your neighborhood up there. And I know when you're young, it kind of feels cool and it gives you confidence. But when you see a dude like G-Rap, who's that late in the game, doesn't need any of that shit, doesn't need the backing tracks or whatever, that just shows you that there's been pure talent from the get-go and it didn't waver, it didn't go nowhere. It only yep. got better, man. Yeah, we, we we cut that shit out a long time ago. We used to come 30 deep to the show too, yeah. but I mean, we what all... happens is what happens is that the 29th motherfucker that you don't know that is, is your yeah is your boy's friend. You know what I'm saying? Wearing your shirt and fucks oh. up some dude, and now it's like, yo, reach behind the bar, stealing break bottles or etch back, tagging the mirrors, and dude, yeah, it's out like, oh, oh, st pounded some dude out last night. They're banned. You know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we cut a some, somebody that has nothing to do with what the fuck's going on. Yeah, man. It's like I definitely started doing that tail end of my career with just rocking with just DJ and me or just my band and me. No hype man, no backing track. And you you make yourself be better at your craft. I hate going and seeing somebody who's getting paid a pretty decent amount to perform and the laziest shit. They got backing tracks, they got 25 hype men, and they barely even use the mic. Bro, yep. you ain't even working. That's why hip hop live can get a bad rap because lazy right. motherfuckers like you for too long. Yeah. And you see but what it is is that they're not booking these big spots, ain't booking the real acts. Yeah, yeah. They booking the fucking the backtrack dudes, you know what I'm saying? Dude. And that's what gives it. That's what gives it the bad rap, man. What name? Tell me in no order. Don't got to be top five. Some of the best lot. Let's say hip hop. Best live hip hop shows you've ever seen. Not that you participated in per se, but that you've ever seen that just stick out in your mind. Memory. Okay. Wu Tang Clan, of course. Where? Which, which uh, time? I've seen Wu Tang a million times. Where? Slick, Slick Rick, um, Busta Rhymes, The Roots, Outkast. Where, where were these shows at? Tell me where the, if you can recall. Uh, Outkast was, they were both in Massachusetts. Outkast was at the Orpheum. Oh, nice, nice. For, St for Stankonia. And then I caught them uh, at Mansfield yeah, when they when they when they did the um, the greatest hits album where they had the song "Cause the whole yeah. world" with Killer Mike on it. Yeah. Yo, crazy, mm. insane, fucking uh, Dre comes out in a fucking Godzilla suit, leather. <laughs> crazy. That's L. That's L. Um, the Roots. Uh, who else? Um, Wu Tang. Um, G Rap. Uh, EPMD, uh, Big Daddy Kane, KRS, man, those are all, oh, uh, Bone Thugs. Bone Thugs. Where'd you see Bone Thugs at? 
at, at Middle East, believe it or not, brother. Was that recently? Like in the last yeah, a couple years ago, a couple years ago, maybe like maybe like maybe like three years ago. See, that shit was a small place. That's ill. Yo, it was crazy. It was sold out, obviously. And then um, I brought Snuck with me, who's like, that's like his like fucking, you know, Graceland type shit. He's working on so, the hair for it, dude. He's growing the hair. Oh, all, oh yeah, he is, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I used to so, rock uh, Snuck. If you're listening, it's a comedy. I bring him there. I bring him there. And, you know, he's like a talky dude. He's silent, bro. He's so like starstruck. Shit is wild. So I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bully foot this shit. So, you know, they got out, they got done. I'm like, yo, let's go out back. So we go out back to where their, um, their vans were that were driving to whatever the next city was. And Snuck had just come out with his mixtape. So I'm in there like, yo, this is what you got to listen to. I gave everybody in their fucking cars a CD. I had made them put the CD in the motherfucking the CD player to drive wherever they was going. I got everybody flicks. I got Snuck flicks with everybody fucking... Uh, Crazy Bone gave me his Cleveland Cavaliers hat. He signed it. Oh shit! I'm like, I would never wear a Cleveland Cavaliers hat, but this is dope. <laughs> no, I gotta give. I was at a pool making pina coladas last weekend, just get wasted, right? And yep. the Phil Collins song comes on, and I'm like, Yo, it's the same one that Bone Thugs. People think Bone Thugs sampled this song with Phil Collins. Nah, they got Phil Collins in the video. So you got oh, Bone Thugs and Harmony get Phil Collins, who's a legendary dude in my book, in the video. Yeah. That's a, that alone gives Bone Thugs like Godfather, Grandfather ill status right there. Hell yeah, dude. Not, yo, I'm trying to think of some other ill shows like Rock Mars, you know, like you said. Um, fuck, man. I'll look around. Oh, I, I, we did a show with, um, you know who's actually super dope live is um, Lloyd Banks. Word? And um, I would imagine he had about 50 motherfuckers on stage and had backing tracks, nah? Nah. Um, we did it, we did it like at the height of G Unit. So we did um we opened for it was this is pre-beef. So we opened for Fat Joe and TS when they had lean back out, oh, and they were on the same bill as G Unit. Oh wow. And then um, so it was on the flyer, it was Banks and Buck doing the show. But they had they brought 50. Oh word. So in the middle of the set, 50 comes out and people go crazy. Where was the show but at? This was in Maine at the Civic Center, I think. Shit. And um, yeah. this was like 03, 04, 05, something like that. That's the height of 50, right? Yeah, there. crazy. And then um, so they and this is when the G Unit album had just come out. He comes out and they do no 50 songs, they only do G Unit songs. Uh. Shit was crazy, bro. Yeah, that's the. I bet those people in Maine were going nuts too, man. Yo, insane, man, insane. Yeah, you but know, you know, like most of the be- oh, you know who I seen too? Um, Ghetto Boys in at Middle East. Yo, did did Scarface play acoustic guitar? Yep. He played yeah. the guitar. He had a he had a he had a Reggie Lewis jersey on playing the guitar. You see, see, that's another reason why Scarface faces one of the goats because he'll break out an acoustic guitar and play some Pink Floyd at a show or some Skinner. Yep. And, yep. and he just ran for like some kind of office in Texas, in Houston. Yep. I don't know what it, and I, then he was sick. I hope he's all right. But yeah, he had the, he had the Rona. He had the Rona. He's good. He's good now. Yeah, he's good. Oh, hell yeah. Yo, Face is one of the goats to me. I don't think he gets uh, enough credit, you know? Yeah, I don't think he gets enough credit amongst like um, a certain age. Yeah. But if you're of that age and older, then you always got him in the mix. And he's like, a, you know, you know, get a voice of Houston dudes. 
And, and but like, dude, always in the East Coast, man, he caught a lot of love and respect, dude. You know, always from the get, from, from Ghetto Boys to when he went solo to um when he had the song um Never Seen a Man Die. Oh, dude, that's my joint, dude. That's the joint, dog. Album is my shit, man. Yo, that diary album got me through crazy shit. Because in that at that time, what was that? Ninety four. I mean, East Coast, East Coast rap was running shit, you know. And he had come out with that. He had White Sheet on that album. Yeah, dude, Hand of a Dead Body with Ice Cubes on there. Oh, Hand of a Dead Body, what? Oh, shit. Yo, Face Mom always got love. Yeah. I feel like it was because his shit was more gangster and like um, um, not satanic, but it was like, you know what I mean? It was, it was, it was different. It wasn't like some southern shit, you know. It wasn't country at all, you know. Nah, nah. It, it got you like you said. It was getting you through some some shit. And anytime music, like you having whatever times in your life, music getting through it. That music, but that album, that artist, whatever, it's cemented in your life forever because. And I'll go back to like when I have, I have a whole playlist of all those albums throughout my life. Whenever I'm having shitty times, I go to that shit and it yeah. transports you to another dimension and helps you heal. It reminds you how you healed the first time and got through that shit. Yep. It also it. brings you back to like happier shit if, if yeah. that's what, you know, if that's the type of music that was going on at that time, you know what I mean? Like there's definitely music I listen to like only to like in certain elements, like certain more party shit or workout shit or, I have to be doing driving versus in the in the house, but then there's like yeah. that music that just gets me like in a happier place and heals me, make me feel connected somehow. Um, yep. That shit always has like run, always gets run in my house or in my headphones or whatever. Yeah, not nah, facts like uh, rainy day albums. Like I'll, I'll <laughs> no play like rainy day rap, dude. I have a whole playlist just rainy day music. I don't get it. It doesn't I, rain in California, so I never listen to it anymore. But that's what's up, what's up with that shit, huh? Oh. I want I want to like hoodie weather for like three weeks so I could justify being depressed and staying in the house. Like you know how guilty you feel when there's palm trees and it's 99 degrees out and I'm by the beach and I'm depressed. I want gray snow. I want. That's why I don't know if I could ever live in Cali, bro. Like you could do. This. It's just so ill. Like there's I wouldn't do shit. Like yo, it's too weather's much. great. There's beaches everywhere. The yeah. chicks are hot. The best weed ever. I'm like, why would I do anything? There's something about walking around in the rain with like a, a jacket on, a headphones and a hoodie and like listening to rainy day rap, walking. You can't get it from driving. I love that feeling, man. Yeah, you can't get it from driving. It's like, it's like you know, you're walking in uh, in New York or in Boston and you got to take the subway and shit. Ah, oh, I missed the subway. What? Yeah, I took that's... the subway once out here. I ate shrooms on the subway to, on the way to like a Pink Floyd laser show. So I'm looking around. I start eating them so they time out when I, when I get there. You know what you I mean? You get there, yeah, yeah. Man, oh man, it was crazy. I ended up walking through Skid Row at like one in the morning for 20 minutes just to get a fried chicken sandwich, the best fried chicken sandwich. But I was tripping balls walking around all these meth heads and crackheads at one in the morning. And I think I scared them because <laughs> I was I was yeah, half but... tripping, singing like this Ab Soul song out loud, but only half the lyrics. So I sounded crazy. <laughs> I looked crazy. <laughs> and they're like, yo, we want what he's on. Yeah, I was all alone too. I tell people that story. They're like, "What? Why'd you do that alone?" I was like, "Man, this fried chicken sandwich at Birdie's is worth it. You got to troop through fucking twenty minutes of of crazy it's twenty meth heads." <laughs> yo, yo, you know what was another ill show that I saw recent? Uh, yeah, within the last two years, that was not hip hop related was uh, Manson. Oh, Marilyn Manson. You was yeah. I went my boy. Crazy small world. So I did a tour with Slain. And one of his one of his DMS brothers came yeah, on to man, do. Yeah, um, my man Mick or Chris is the security for that shit, right? For Manson. Or, yeah, that's my yeah, homie. Oh yeah, 
Yeah. So my man Shane, he came on the tour with me and Slane and he was doing merch. But he was telling us, he's like, yo, um, he's he's literally Manson's right hand guy. Like he fucking puts the makeup on, he tunes the guitars, he oh. fucking puts the fake titties on him, he does all that shit. shit. You know what I mean? So so he was like, they were in town. He hit me up. He's like, yo, you want to come through? I'm out here. I was like, hell yeah. I walk in there, motherfuckers are giving me the craziest looks ever because I'm sticking out like a fucking sore yeah, thumb. Exactly. You know what I mean? For sure. It's at House of Blues. It's at House of Blues in, on Lansdowne. Oh, word. So you already know who's in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> Did he that have the fake titties? Did he have the fake huh? titties? Yeah, he had the fake titties and all that. So what happened was, I guess at the beginning of the tour, he like, fell off of some shit and fucking like fucked his leg up so he, so he finished the whole tour with a boot on oh damn so he had the boot on but he would do wardrobe changes and shit he'd come out dressed like a fucking surgeon and like with blood all over him and shit and then he'd have the fake titty shits like when he does the uh, mechanical animals songs and all that shit yeah, you know the songs you're a fan now did i oh crazy so then and they, he had behind him he had a fucking cross made of guitars that lit up and like yo wild shit wild shit see man that's that's what i'm slacking in my fucking merch i need these damaged goods fake titties dog i need that fake titty game all right y'all this episode of the damaged goods podcast was brought to you by elite botanicals elite botanicals is originally the cbd division of elite cannabis if you guys have heard me talk about them you know this is my favorite cbd product out there the only one that truly works I swear by it, that's why I'm endorsing them, not for any other reason. And now they're back with their new line for your little pets, Whole Pet CBD. They are one of the first companies farming high CBD cannabis under industrial hemp rigs. They've been working with CBD since 2013 with one of the first licensees in Colorado. Also, they've been working with Colorado State University since 2016 on their canine research study with CBD. So they know what they're doing. Their focus is providing farm-to-table product that uses the best ingredients possible, ultra-refined, distilled, full-spectrum CBD oil at high potency for reasonable pricing. That's the problem. Most of these other guys are overpriced for their non-working stuff. This allows for effective dosing and a 30-day-plus supply per unit. For the pets, they've got drops that go on their food or in their mouth. they got chicken and salmon-flavored ones. They've got soft gel capsules. they got a gravy powder. You just sprinkle that over their food or put a couple of water in there, and it makes a nice little gravy mix chocked full of CBD, glucosamine, and omegas for their joints. They've got nose and toes balm for cracked noses and paws, and they got some all-natural treats on the way. All this is available at wholepetcbd.com. Elite Cannabis, Elite Botanicals, and now Whole Pet CBD, all from Elite. Go check it out. And now for an additional discount, use the promo code DAMAGEDGOODS. That's D-A-M-A-G-E-D-G-O-O-D-S. Damaged Goods to get an additional percentage off.